Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 135 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Man, I'm excited to bring you today's guest. His name is Adam Weber, and he just released a new book called Talking with God, and he's got a fascinating story. I am the product of a mainline denomination. I'm non-denominational these days. It connects his church as a North Point strategic partner. But one of the questions that sort of plagued the church, you know, over the years, the sort of capital C church is, is there any life left in mainline denominations in North America? And the answer is, yes, there is. And uh, Adam Weber is a leader's leader. You're going to love him. He's a super nice guy, brilliant leader has grown a church to multiple campuses in several states where churches don't grow. He's in South Dakota. And uh, I got to tell you, it's it's just amazing to see what God has done through him. He's a young leader. And um, he's done this all in the context of a mainline denomination, which is incredible. He was on Outreach's um, fastest growing church list, is the fastest growing United Methodist Church in America, and also one of the largest. So it's just been a delight to get to know Adam a little bit. He's a super nice guy. And uh, I think you're going to learn a lot from him today. So uh, whether you're in a mainline denomination, evangelical, non-denominational, wherever you find yourself, uh, you're going to have a lot to learn from today. I also want to say thank you. Uh, I've been out on the road a lot and going to be on the road in April and a little bit in May at uh, Rethink Leadership. And then I will be attending the Drive Conference and some other events. And man, when you guys come up and just say, hey, thanks, it means a ton. I just got back from Boston this morning and... Uh, second time I've been there in the last few months, and so many of you came up and just told me about what God was doing in New England and how he was using this podcast, and just thank you. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for uh, telling other leaders about it as well. We just continue to see the podcast grow, and it's so, so, so encouraging to see this get in the hands of many leaders. Hey, for those of you who uh, are faithful listeners, I negotiated some stuff for you this month that you're going to want to know about, I think. So as you know, I've been using a virtual assistant for the last year. And uh, at first it was EA Help, and then they changed their name a few months ago to Belay Solutions. And, and that's because they've amalgamated a lot of virtual services from copywriting to bookkeeping to virtual assistants. And uh, man, they are a fantastic organization. And here's what you're going to do. I mean, you can start with like five hours a week, 10 hours a week. You can go all the way up to, you know, full time or have multiple assistants through them. Um, but if you go to belaysolutions.com and you get uh, a consultation or you actually retain an executive assistant and you do that in April or May of this year before May 31st, uh, I'm going to do a group conference call directly with you. So we can have a conversation about that, the things that have worked, the things that have not worked. So go to belaysolutions.com and sign up before the end of May for a consultation, or if you're going to go right ahead and hire an assistant, and we will get you onto a group call, a live group call with me, and we will talk about uh, some of the things you can do to really leverage that relationship. So that's a special offer. And then regular podcast listeners, you'll know about uh, the great people at trainedup.org who train all of your volunteers. Well, actually you train them, but they create the delivery system virtually. And uh, we got a special offer. It's a 10% discount for life 
for all of my listeners who use the discount code CAREY at sign up. So just when you're signing up for Trained Up, use C-A-R-E-Y and they'll take good care of you. And if you want to train your volunteers, but you can't get them all in the room, fear not. They got you covered because uh, you do the training. They'll deliver it virtually. You can actually see how many of your volunteers have signed up. It's pretty cool, actually. So those are some fun things just for you as loyal listeners. And if you are a semi-regular listener or you're a subscriber, would you do me a favor? Will you check to see whether you're still subscribed to this podcast? Um, Subscriptions are the way I listen to all my podcasts. And because the podcast has grown so much, we had to actually migrate feeds And in the process, we worry that we may have dropped a few subscribers inadvertently. You know how that stuff goes behind the scenes. So all you have to do is check your devices and whatever you listen to, whether you listen to on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, uh, whatever app you use. I use Overcast, which does a great job on iTunes. Um, Just make sure you're still subscribed. And do me a favor. If you're not a subscriber, uh, why not subscribe? That's how I listen to all my podcasts. Uh, because I always think, oh, I should listen to that. And then I forget. Well, if you subscribe, they're there. And then you can listen to the episodes whenever you want, whenever it's convenient. And of course, it's free. So if you haven't subscribed, please do so. If you are a subscriber, can you check to make sure you're still subscribed? That's great. And now we're going to jump into a life-giving conversation that I had with Adam Weber. Adam, it's really, really a thrill to have you on the podcast. Welcome, man. Harry, it's it's an honor to be here. As a, someone who listens myself, it's a, a true joy. Well, one of those things where we all kind of know the same people, and it was just fun to finally connect, which is great. And uh, give our listeners a little bit of background on you. You've got a, a really, really cool story I wanted people to hear. And uh, so just give us give us the the five minute Adam overview. Yeah, quick quick five minute overview. Um, so I'm born and raised South Dakota. So been here my entire life with the exception of going away from my master's. Uh-huh. Um, r- raised Lutheran with my extended family Catholic. Um, came to know Christ in high school. Later on in high school, had a, had a transformation. I was very outspoken uh, about saying that I thought Christians and anybody who believed in God were, were, were crazy. Uh, wow. Lord changed my life. Went to school, college for business and marketing. Always, I just have a passion for marketing. Always saw myself mm. working at an ad agency, and and maybe running an ad agency of some kind. And so that's what I was full on pursuing. The junior year of my of college, uh, a pastor said, "Hey, I know someone who's looking for uh, for a person to fill in for him for the summer. He's taking a sabbatical. This pastor is up in North Dakota. Would you be interested?" And I said, "No, I you know I'm not really interested in being a youth pastor." Right. And and uh, I need to get an internship in marketing. Otherwise, I'm going to struggle. Mm. And he said, well, first off, it's not a youth pastor position. It's the lead pastor position. And secondly, I think you should consider it. Mm. And I was I was 20 at the time. I'm like, that's the worst <laughs> idea ever. Who would ever allow me to be a pastor? So I filled in, ended up filling in. Um, and within the first week, I knew it was what I was supposed to do for the rest of my life. I mean, really? just one of, those, one of those moments where it was seriously in the first week. Just being able to share on a Sunday about the greatest joy in my life, which is Jesus. Um, but even more so than that, that, that summer, it was a traditional church, um, probably three, 400 in worship. That, that summer, though, there were three different ladies who had breast cancer. And mm. so I'm, I'm 21 at going and meeting with these different ladies at their homes. And all three were terminal. Oh, boy. And it was such an honor to me 
that when when you have cancer and you know you're going to die, all the fluff leaves your conversations and you speak sure from the does. heart yeah. and you use every ounce of your time wisely. Well, I couldn't believe that they wanted to sit with me. Wow. And I, I couldn't believe that I could talk with them about the Lord and the hope in, in heaven. And I just knew that was really what sealed the deal for me. So finished the summer, finished my business degree, went to seminary out in Kentucky, thought we were going to end up on the East Coast somewhere. There were a couple different churches that I was really intrigued by. Um, also got to see a, a dynamite church in Southland Christian. Oh, um, yeah. John Weiss. So was was there uh, when I started more of the formal process of being of ordination, um, had to go to uh, a Methodist church. Um, and we're crazy fortunate to go to a church called Hope Springs, a smaller church, but really to see a church totally the opposite of Southland. Wow. Uh, and then the pastor who led me to Christ, who also led me to that that internship, filling in for that guy, called going into my last year of school and said, hey, we're thinking about starting a church in Sioux Falls. What do you think about that? And I said, well, I don't really think Sioux Falls needs another church. Quick right. side note. I would say the opposite now. But I, said, <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, I don't think it needs another church. And who are you thinking about being the pastor? And as nicely as he could, he basically said, I'll translate what he wanted to say. That's why I'm calling you, you idiot. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm not interested in starting a church. I, right. I've heard that's difficult, no desire. And also in Kentucky, we found out that you don't have to survive like nine months of winter. So we're going to stay, we're going to go to the East Coast. <laughs> and and so, all the Canadians uh, listening, both of them are like, yes, I understand. I understand. I understand. Yeah. But so ended up starting, coming back and starting a church um, in 2006, 2007. So that's the quick high view of how it came about. And that's how I, Embrace Church started, right? That's how Embrace started. So how it started. So I told that pastor no when he called me and said, mm. hey, would you consider? I'm like, no, no, I'm not. And he said, <laughs> but he said what every pastor says to make you feel guilty why don't you pray about it? So, right. Oh, thank you so much for, yes, that's awesome. I'm not going to, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, he found out I was coming back to do a wedding. So he said, uh, how about this? Um, how about you send an email and I'll send an email and we'll see who shows up. And this is like the week of that wedding. So it wasn't like we're going to create this plan. We seriously sent a few emails and I was like, this is great. Cause no one's going to come. Right. And then it'll be done. So September 4th, 2006, we had 32 people show up. So I'm, I'm bummed that 32 people showed up right? because I'm like, I was hoping for zero. <laughs> and, and, and this pastor named Roger, Roger was beaming. He's like, this is great. This is the most people we've ever had in Sioux Falls, right? <laughs> <laughs> but he's, uh, he's like, this is great. He's like, uh, are you guys, do you guys have a church home? And everybody said, no. Would you be interested in a church? And they said yes. So he said, hey, Adam, we'll pay for you once a month to fly back and just have a service once a month. And so that's how it started. No way. That's fascinating. And here you are a decade later, right? A decade later. Man. <laughs> honestly, and honestly, when you look at our story, it's everything not to do in starting a church. Like okay. if, you, <laughs> yeah. if you want to fail, do these things and it will happen. Oh, that's awesome. But look at what's happened over the last decade. I mean, six locations, you're in two states, and again, in an unlikely place. I mean, would you would you call South Dakota the Bible Belt exactly? I wouldn't. No. no. I uh it would it's definitely a churched area. Okay. Uh, it's definitely a churched area, but not not the Bible Belt. So a churched right. area, uh most people all grew up like me. 
So Lutheran, Catholic, uh, Methodist is kind of the heart and soul of the area. So most people, even my age, kind of 34, 35, have grew up in the church and were confirmed. Um, but it's it's a, a very kind of nominal type. Yeah, nominal Christianity. So if you put, yep. you know pushed them and said, "Are you a Christian?" They'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, I buy, I buy that stuff," but like yep. no active daily faith. Uh, that no kind active of thing. daily faith. And yep. a, a lot of big churches in the area, or not really. Um, not really in Sioux Falls. Uh, there's a couple different churches that are that are larger. Mm-hmm. Um, a Baptist church in town, and also a Wesleyan church in town. And the Twin Cities, where one of our campuses is located, there's some some, some bigger, yeah, yeah, solid churches there, great churches, churches that have been so good to us personally. That's great. Uh, what have been some of the best things you've done as a church planter in the first decade? Wow, um, I, I feel like I could go so many different directions. With well, that. go ahead. We got time. Uh, a couple. The first thing that that hits me was something we didn't decide to do. It was almost like we had no other options. Was multi-site, right? Um, that was not our plan. I mean, we it was not our pipe dream. <laughs> the whole church is not better plan. Mm-hmm. But um, going multi-site was really um, probably the biggest and best decision we ever made. Really? Is, uh, it really was. So we what we were going to do, um, so we got our first building. Um, we had This is our th- our third location is the first building that we purchased. And um, we what we were going to do, we outgrew it because we never thought we'd outgrow it again. Right. Early on, if you would have said, what's the wild dream for Embrace? I would say, gosh, if we could have 200 people and pay the light bill and see a changed life, that would be awesome. Yeah. So we got this building thinking we'd never outgrow it. Well, within a year, probably a year, we outgrew it. So we just said, oh, we could go multi-site in the same building because we had a large multi-purpose room. Mm -hmm. So we were going to bring a proposal to the church. And vote on doing a two million dollar renovation to make two sanctuaries because we were going to do like an eight thirty nine, nine thirty ten, ten thirty eleven, eleven thirty. Oh yeah, yeah, and just stage and stagger them at different points. Yep, yeah, just, just bounce back and forth. Um, and so that's what our plan was. Well, the Monday before the vote, uh, it all fell through. Um, the down payment changed. Um, our uh, yeah, we, the bank said, "Hey, we actually made a mistake. It's our bad." You actually would need double down what you were, and so oh, wow. so it wasn't even we need to pray about this. It was this, <laughs> this isn't is, gonna work. This is done. Yeah. So I walked out to my car and called my coach at the time, great guy, and I said, "Hey, this is what happened." Coach, like he, leadership coach slash counselor, yeah, or? like okay. like a like, like a, a pastor type coach. Okay. Yeah, yep. First yep. church, church planting, and so I said, "Hey, here's what happened," and he's like, "Man, that's so good." And I, was <laughs> like, I, I was like what? And he's like, I don't know why this whole time I haven't felt good about that thing you were pursuing. And I said, why did you say something? Right. And, and he's like, you've had, you have such a great instinct, Adam. I just really wanted to trust that. And so I just wanted to go with that. And I'm like, you should have said something. Right. And he, and he said, but now, cause he had mentioned one other time, three years earlier that we should go multi-site. Mm-hmm. And he said, now you have to go multi-site. So I seriously, I got the fo- I got the phone call about the banker, made the phone call out in the car, came in, grabbed our two right hand people, we went into an hour meeting, and in an hour decided to go multi site. No way, that's pretty so, fast. So yeah, so we knew our campus pastor. What for that campus was our current executive pastor. He was in the room. He's like, I'll be the campus pastor, and uh, I- I'm ready. I got, what what got, year was that? 
That would have been 2000 and oh my goodness, maybe 2013. Oh wow. So that was just like a few years ago then. Yeah. Uh, 2013 or 2014, one of those. So that, that was a huge, a huge, that, that, that's one of the things that I would say was, was such a, one of the best things we've ever done. But also secondly, things that come to mind, um, neat things that I, I will carry with me wherever I end up for the rest of my life. Just doing a school in Haiti. We built a mm. school. Um, we sponsor hundreds of kids uh, through a local mission um, that does it. it. It employs Haitians. The school was yeah. built by Haitians. It's employed by Haitians. And I'll never forget them telling us the village council said, you haven't given us a school. You've changed our, our village, our community. Wow. And I'm like, whoa. I mean, that kind of stuff, that for me is is awesome. Also, we do something called uh, the summer party. Mm-hmm. So it, our story, Embrace, comes off of Luke 15. And so we throw a crazy party in July, which is typically in South Dakota, a very low attendance month. Yeah, yeah, because it's finally warm and beautiful and everyone's yeah. gone. You totally get that. Yep, oh, yeah, exactly. I get it. Welcome to Canada. Yeah. Welcome to Canada. And so um, we throw a party and it ends up being one of our largest three weeks of the year. Really? Tell us about that. Like, what do, what do Okay, so you turn a low attendance time into a high attendance time. We do. We, we kept thinking like, gosh, instead of this being a low time, why don't we do something awesome? And so people know it's coming now. And every year we do a series with some kind of involving the word party. Um, so, you know, the story of the prodigal son, um, if you throw a party, invite these certain people or the man who threw a banquet and everybody gave excuses. And so he encouraged them to go out even further and continue to invite people. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll go off that party scene, even uh, Jesus turning water into wine. I mean, there's so many different party or feast elements in the Gospels, especially. So we'll, we'll do build a series off of that. And then every week we just build more and more up. So. I mean, this last week we had DJs at all of our campuses. Wow. Enough, enough balloons, whatever. I mean, I always say the story of the prodigal son is outrageous. I mean, people were mumbling and grumbling about it. Mm-hmm. If, if this party doesn't cause somebody to mumble and grumble, we haven't um, done a good job of portraying God's grace and love and redemption. Because uh, so we, and then, uh, so we build it up. I mean, try to make it crazy. And then the last week uh, we do, we do baptisms. And so we have hundreds of baptisms each year. And that really is the focal point um, of the day is baptisms. So even with all the inflatables, this was the coolest thing for me. Cause I, for us, we're not doing a circus. Um, yeah. we're, we're telling people about Jesus. We're the church. Yeah. And I, I love last year, my nine-year-old son. I mean, we have, we have enough inflatables at all the campuses to, I, I don't know. Like you've Godzilla uh, outside or something it's, like it's that. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. But it was so cool. I asked my oldest son, Hudson, and he was nine at the time. I said, Hudson, what was your favorite part of the day? And he said, no question, dad, the baptisms. Mm. And I was like, that was dad's favorite part too. Yeah. And so, but that's another thing that we've, we've done. Um, how, how, do you, so how do you get people there? Like, is it personal invitation? Is it, you mentioned a background in marketing, like just yeah. help us understand, because I mean, to create a huge event, and I know a couple of other churches, North Point Church in Austin, Texas takes a low time, turns it into a high time. Life Church always yeah. does like at the movies. So tell us how you do that. Like, but is it marketing? Is it personal marketing? Just word of mouth? Like what, what is yeah. behind that? 
so marketing wise for something like the summer party, we, 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 we are not a financially well off church that right. can just kind of, you're not it, loaded. A, you don't have $10 million to drop no, on a billboard no, campaign yeah. at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we were, so the one place we do invest finances is social media. Hmm. So we'll, we'll run Facebook, Twitter, Instagram ads, whatever. So that's that part of it. But the biggest things is word of mouth. So we try to always have invite cards of some kind. Mm-hmm. They change in look, they change in style. The next one we're doing is like a small booklet like that you just open up. So it's constantly changing. And we just challenge the people, hey, this invite isn't for you. It's for someone you know. And so you need to invite them. And I, I'm a, an evangelist at heart. Yeah. For me, the, for me the, the greatest news I've ever heard in my entire life is Jesus. Hmm. I mean, for me personally, not as pastor in something cute to say on Sundays, for me, the greatest news I've ever heard is Jesus. I'm so needy for Jesus. And so we're just like, we get to share that with people. So that, but then otherwise, the another thing I'd probably say is the biggest thing for inviting the people who have signed up to get baptized, encouraging them to invite everybody. Hmm. Hey, create, create a Facebook event yourself for your baptism at the 10 o'clock service at Embrace Church, Sertoma Campus. Yep. And, so, and so it's not even a church thing. It, it's not us doing it. It's them doing it, inviting all their friends. It's like the lady whose life has changed and she goes back and tells the entire village. Yeah. And when you get an invite from for that, people come. Aunts and uncles and coworkers, they don't want to miss that because they care about their coworker. Right. They might not even, and we see that sometimes people don't even, you know, buy what you believe, but they're there to support you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Do you do any follow up with people like that? Like how do you, how do you turn a one-time event into uh, something more regular? Yeah. uh, We're always so sensitive to kind of feeling like a a marketing ploy to sign up and stuff. Not against that at all. You got to do that in many different areas. I think that's being wise. Um, what we try to do on something like that, though, is have something to invite them back to. Hey, gotcha. so today, so I mean, that's the highlight for me, Christmas Eve, Easter. I'm telling you about the next series that you do not want to miss. Right on. So yeah. that is our, that's probably our biggest follow up piece. Right. Like, hey, guys, I know it's Christmas Eve. You need to come back because this series coming up is going to be, it's going to be awesome. Yep. You, so that's, you, kind of, that's our biggest thing. You mentioned a, um, a party that makes people grumble and complain. So what do you mean by that? Like, what do you, what do you do that sort of pushes the envelope to make it a place that is really friendly to outsiders? Yeah, a, a perfect example. So it was, it was, I couldn't believe it. So after the services, we had our DJ. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I want to say 70% of the people were dancing. <laughs> like grown adults yeah. that should not be dancing. Right, right. They couldn't even dance, but they did it anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. So I mean, just it was like I'm like I felt like I was downtown Sioux Falls at like a huge block party thrown by the city, right? You know, and it, so it was that or like a New Year's happened. Eve levy or whatever. Yeah. you're at, you're at some big felt, party. Oh, it felt that way. And also, I also, um, why are we spending all this money? Oh you yeah. Said, you said that we don't have a ton of money, but we're spending all this money. We could use this money so much. We could use it so much more better spent out spent elsewhere. Yep. And it's like that for me. I'm like, yes, this is not about us. Uh, our liturgical piece that we have in the church right now at all yeah. of our campuses is a giant disco ball. 
<laughs> and we, we live up, we leave it up. Like for me, that's, that's our stained glass window. Right. Being someone who grew up Lutheran, I, I have actually a true love for liturgical and traditional mm. worship. And for me, that disco ball, it sounds crazy. It's it. Because, you leave uh, that up in your sanctuaries? You leave it up in your auditorium? Year-round, yep. Wow. It just is up there, and we turn it on every so often. But but here's the thing. like This is the part of the story that I love that it's in the Bible, and it's not Adam pulling right. something. When the dad throws the son a party, the music is so loud that the other brother can hear it from the fields. Yeah. That's a good that's, point. That's, that's not a, a party. That's right. a party. <laughs> you know, in one of the commentaries I read, I think it was the word biblical commentary. So it's not yeah. like, yeah, yeah, commentary. hey, that's a solid commentary. One of yeah, my favorites. Not, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. What's I, what I love about it? It's not trying to be edgy. Right. But my my favorite detail that it has in the, in the the word biblical commentary. I'm almost positive it's from there. It said the music most likely would have been flutes and bagpipes, <laughs> and I just love that. Like at that time, that's what they would have pictured. Right. The music is bagpipes. I'm like, right. we it's like we need to get some bagpipes next year and make it crazy. So again, not trying to be cutesy, but just trying to say, like, hey guys, do you think this is outrageous? Right. And if you don't, man, we, we didn't next year we didn't we do it just, right. We didn't do it right. Because mm-hmm. because when that son comes home, everybody's expecting him to, them to say that the the dad says, Yeah, you can be my slave. Right. Yeah. Actually, you're not welcome here. Yeah. Yeah. You 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 burned your bridge. Instead, he throws this extravagant party, ring robe, fetched a fattened calf. I mean, it's crazy. So yeah, he blew the bank. I mean, he blew it twice. He gave him everything. Then he ran away and squandered it. And then he spent what he had left on it when he came home. I mean, yeah, I'm with you on that. Money is to be used, not to be saved, not to be hoarded, and not to be squandered. But like to be used, you use it, you use it. That's great. Um, especially, now, go especially, ahead. well, I'd say not, it, the squandering part is huge. I, one of the greatest responsibilities I feel like I have, even though I'm very far removed from finances, sure. is to steward the church's offerings. Even what my wife and I give, that's a huge deal. Yeah. But the place that the church can, can generously use it is on those yet to come. Mm-hmm. It's not on our, it's not a party. For, I, we've even said that this party isn't for us and our kids. I hope we enjoy it. I hope our kids have a ball, but it's for the kids and the people and the couple who has not come yet. So, but anyways, Adam, that's so good. So, I mean, how many, how many people now attend at your, your locations on a typical (sighs) weekend? I'm going to guess anywhere from three to four for Christmas Eve without online or anything. We were over five. Wow. So, So kind of, I'd probably say that 32, 100 3500 for mark it's so ebbs and flows we'll pr- we'll be probably close to 5 consistently in the March, month of march maybe yeah or towards easter okay so, that's incredible so i mean thousands of people attend your locations on the weekend and you uh, i love asking this question of guests but i mean you've had to figure all that out so you've got this contagious passion and i can see it in this interview leaders can hear it Um, But you've had to figure out all the stuff of like going multi-site, building a team. You know, you were the team when there were 32 people (laughs) on day one, right? But you've had to build a team. So walk us through just some of the leadership opportunities and challenges you've had in in that first decade uh, doing this. Constant challenge. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's been constant. So it's almost like, where do you start? Everything from, so, so one of the hardest things that I went through the first three years, something that most people don't know about embrace is three years in, we are a hundred people in worship Mm. and we're almost close three years in. Wow. So, so, cause we weren't growing. Church planners, listen up. Yeah. I mean, we weren't growing. And, and that's a part of my story that I wouldn't wish on anybody, but now yeah. I'm so grateful for. I had a pastor a few years back to me, come up to me and say, you don't know what it's like to struggle. Oh. And I said, oh, I said, actually, I do. And he said, really? And I said, oh, yeah, everybody knows what it's like to struggle. Uh-huh. And so I should, but the, the first three years, I, in, in an unhealthy way, almost sold my soul trying to grow the church. Mm. Cause I, I love the church. Like I've never not loved embrace. I mean, it's, I can't believe I get to work with this staff. Right. I can't believe I get to pastor this church. I mean, it's amazing. It's got imperfections all over the place, but it's great. But, um, the first three years was just trying to grow it. And so just the constant struggle of getting people to show up, getting people plugged into small groups, creating momentum when there was no momentum. Mm. So just learning, learning, learning. So, so walk us through that, because, I mean, there's a lot of church planners listening right now, and a lot of people trying to transition to church who are there, where they're in your year three. You know, they haven't seen the fruit from the harvest. What were some of the, the things you were doing that were not resonating or not working? Or was it just the flywheel principle that you were doing everything right, and it just took a while for that, you know, as Jim Collins says, that one more rotation to start catching yeah. momentum? Like, help us help us just understand what was going on in your view in that those first three or four years? I think for the, our biggest piece, and this is something that's so critical in a, in a healthy sense, obviously, uh, run everything through your walk with Christ, everything, obviously, but those moments we have to trust our gut, Hmm. our, our instinct. And so we were a Sunday evening service for the first three years and we tried to get to a Sunday morning but financially, it was hard because we it, we had to pay more, this kind of stuff. Right. And so a lot, a, a lot of things held us back from doing it. But I just kept feeling like, if we get to Sunday morning, I think we'll grow. Mm. If we get to Sunday. So if there's anything that you're, man, this facility isn't working. Listen to that. Yep. If, if your service and how you're doing it, it just feels like something's missing. Listen to that. It, like if there's a piece, if there's a staff person listen to that underlying voice of like this right here, if we just change this. So for us, and this is not normal, we went to Sunday morning worship and in three hours, literally less than a day, it was three hours, our church doubled in size. Really? Just by switching the time? Just by switching the time. And the month before is when I had the talk um, kind of with my supervisor that if it doesn't grow, we're either going to close the church or move you. Wow. And I just said, like, I think if we get to Sunday mornings, and we did, and bam. And so how I how did you just, know that wasn't futility? How do you know, like, you know, because there's a lot of people who would be like, look, you've had no momentum. Um, yeah. You're stuck. You're almost broke. Um, yes. Nobody's excited about being here. You've tried every yeah. trick in the book. Like, how? why did you not throw in the towel? Um, I, I, well, I, I didn't throw in the towel because I loved the church. Mm. And, uh, um, and I, I believed in the, in the church and how I knew there was something to it is asking people, don't do this constantly. Cause then your people just constantly throwing criticism at you, yeah. but, but, but tr- ask people to be honest with you. Mm. Like, what do, what are you seeing that I'm not? 
And even more than that is a friend hearing stuff that you're not. Because right. uh, they may well, not tell you the truth, right? Yeah, even today. So there's different campuses who grow faster than others, different campuses that have parents that don't. And so it's like, mm-hmm. it's so I'm like, what are those little things? Well, if you ask, a lot of times, oh, we love it, we love it, but why did you do that? Well, well, our kids, the class sizes are different. Mm-hmm. Whoa, okay. Uh, the space for where parents are at if they have a crying kid is different. Whoa. Okay. Now that's what I want to get to the underlying stuff that might, they might not even think is a big deal, but it's a big deal. Yeah. Because it made them change their behavior. It's the reason they're not coming every Sunday or something like that. But listen, listen to this guys. I mean, that requires openness, doesn't it? Adam, like you, you, you can't be defensive and say, well, the reason that we have the cry room that way is because we're in rented facilities. Don't defend, don't defend. Don't defend. And also that answer is so easy to give. Um, and it, and it was, but does it have to be that answer? Right. So that's the answer we use, but like, is there really no other options? Mm -hmm. Well, I bet if I asked the school, they might be willing to give us one more room. Yeah. That, and that's all it took to change that. Uh, it really does. When I, um, and so I, in the area of preaching is one of my most sensitive areas to receive criticism. I'm talking mm. over the last decade. Oh yeah. Uh, four years ago, nobody, even in my, even my wife had other ever heard me preach a practice message or yeah. seen my message notes. That's how insecure I was. <laughs> you were like, whoa, they're not, yeah. they're not getting like, out of my, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you cannot have a piece of my soul. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I can't just hand that to you. So, but, but, uh, once one week, four years ago, it had been about four years ago, I was struggling. So I brought uh, our executive pastor in at the time and he said, well, can I just see your notes? And wow. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and so I did, and he ended up speaking into it. And it ended up in a in matter matter of five minutes, figured out the rest of my message and was able to go. Um, and it just took receiving that feedback and getting to that place um, where you not are just where you're not just okay with criticism and feedback, but from the right sources, you're inviting it. Now, now I can't imagine preaching a message without having. Uh, I have two different groups of people on Tuesday. So Tuesday, I have one group of people that hear my message. And on Wednesday, I hear and have another group, and they destroy it. I call them the firing squad. So you so, you actually preach it twice during the week before you deliver it on the weekend? I do. I preach half of it on Tuesday, and then they kind of help me shape the rest, and then the rest on Wednesday, and they help me shape the rest. Wow! Um, and it's 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 huge. And and it, it, on Sunday, I come up so much more confident mm. because this is this isn't the message or the gospel according to Adam. Yeah. This is the message according to an awesome team that I have crazy respect for. And so now I'm on behalf of them and on behalf of the church, I'm sharing the word. But I I think just to kind of go back to what you were saying, uh, having that openness to receive feedback Mm -hmm. in all areas and really go into people and asking them is huge. You mentioned the big word, insecurity. How did you overcome? How did you move from a place of being like insecure to a place where you could hear it and have it not crush your soul. Cause I'm sure it was a little bit soul crushing at the beginning. Was it? Oh, soul crushing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was so hard. Yeah. Um, it took time. Right. I mean, it, just, it just took time. And once you begin to see the benefits of it, 
Like I, I cannot imagine I'm to the place now where if I, I have not preached a message anywhere, nowhere, not given a talk at a conference without going through that team. Wow. Now, now I feel insecure and inadequate if I don't, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I think it just took time and having yeah. the right, having the right people in the room too. People well, who know, people who know that it's a sensitive area. And so not just to come out guns blazing where now they can guns a blaze cause I'm used to it now. So they right. don't hold back and I don't warn them like, Hey, this is sensitive. Not at all. But at first they knew it was kind of like, Hey, this is holy ground. But then just realizing the upside, not just for yourself, but for people hearing about Jesus. Man, if I could share the good news better, holy cow. Yeah, yeah, tell, yeah. Tell me what I could do. So So when you look back on that and you made that change a number of years ago, um, tell me, did the church feel the difference in your preaching and what difference did that make? Huge difference. Uh, almost immediately began having people who knew nothing about that. Most people still don't know that process. They don't know that process and nobody really cares, right, at the end cares. of the day. Nope. But people, be- people began to say, I feel like there's something different in your preaching. Really? And I was like, really? What? Uh, well, you changed this and that. Uh, and I know it in my mind. I'm like, that was 100% the team. Uh... Even this last week I preached, it's it's a different opening that I've ever done in 10 years. So they <laughs> said, they said, can we drop that? And I'm like, we can drop anything. There's no, there's no sacred cows in this room. And I, I said, are you okay with that, though? And the campus pastors all said, yeah, we'd love to get rid of that. And I was like, geez, you should have told me two years ago. What, what did you drop? I'm just curious. I, uh, so with multi-site, it's, it's a, it's, you got to make sure you, the, the people at campuses don't feel like they're watching a screen. Mm-hmm. And they are. But yeah. trying to break that as much as you can. So typically when I start my message, uh, well, I just want to welcome everybody here to Embrace. My name is Adam. Whatever your campus you're joining us at, we're so glad that you're with us. We're thrilled that you're here. So I do something like that wherever mm-hmm. you're at, whether you're in St. Croix, whether you're in Sertoma downtown. Um, so I do a welcome specific to all the campuses. Yeah. Well, they said, and we also have some churches that are not embraced that utilize our message. The sure. same day. So even that, I was like, hey, are those churches going to be okay? And they're like, yep. So I cut that off. So instead, I just read right into the message. Just started. Yep. Two of the most powerful words I'd argue that you can hear from another human being are the words well done. Mm. So that's how I started this time. And I've, I've wanted to, but I thought the campus pastors wouldn't want to. Yeah, but they said, dude, get rid of that. We'll introduce you. We'll say, hey, and, um, and God, we, we just, because they usually pray or do something. God, we just pray that through Adam's words that you would just speak to us today. Um, right. Amen. So just those simple things. Yeah, see, and that's so good, and you're so much better for it. It's, I mean, I don't want to interject with too much of my story, but like, I became the teaching pastor, not the lead pastor, like founding teaching pastor 18 months ago, and I found myself by the end of last year kind of writing in a vacuum, like here in my office at my house, rather than in the building with the team, and, and I, I, I was really missing it. And so literally last week, went back in, held a creative meeting, Threw my idea up on the board. It got totally changed and reworked and rethought out. Now, literally, in between recording this, I'm sending out a survey via SurveyMonkey to our church, testing the same ideas a month before it hits, you know, our campuses. And and really, I'm testing out four words. I was going to call it scared to death, which I just thought was great. And then we said, well, men don't like to admit they're scared. 
And then we changed it to worry less. And then it's like, well, is it worry? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is it stress? And so we're testing all that. And like, I'm going to have a much better series. And I don't even know what it's going to be, but I'm going to have a much better series as a result. And I feel better. And I feel like God speaks through his people as well as through his word sometimes. That's cool. Yeah. In that group, in that group, I think something, and this is true for any area. So I have a couple people in the room who know kind of the basics of preaching. So they, they understand transitions and this and that, but the majority of the people in the room have never preached a message, have never went through a seminary class. And that's feedback is, is so priceless. So right. Because they're not practitioners. They're not, they're not not experts. You need both. You need experts and non-experts. Okay. Well, this is this is a lot of fun. So let me let me ask you um, about your team because you've grown and you've scaled an awful lot. Uh, so you got six locations. You're thousands of people now, three to five thousand people on any given Sunday. Uh, where do you find your people? To quote the phrase that get asked a lot, like you know, you've had to, you had to grow your team. Is it mostly homegrown? And then how do you develop them? Or do you import a lot of leaders? Or how how does that work for you? Because I imagine church leaders are not exactly being, um, you know, produced in factories in South Dakota. Is that true? <laughs> that is very true. Okay. Uh, the full disclosure on this one: we're a work in progress. Sure. Uh, if you're listening and you're just, man, I wish I had more leaders. I'm in the same exact. <laughs> yeah. We we find them two different places though. First off, homegrown. Mm-hmm. Just seeing seeing someone's life change, and this is for staff, but also for small group leaders. Yeah. A person's life changed. And then just speaking into them, like, have you ever thought about leading a small group? Hmm. Have you ever thought about serving in this area? Have you ever thought about, and most people, I've never thought about that. Yeah. Because I, I just don't know the Bible well enough. Hmm. Yes, you do. Inadequacy. And you, yeah. Inadequacy. Exactly. So seeing something in them. Um, so that's, that would say, I would say that for small groups. Uh, also though, for staff though. Seeing, seeing seeing people who are leading small groups and making a difference. Have you ever thought about like working at Embrace at the church? Wow, I never have. But I've really been struggling with purpose. Really? Wow. Have you, you, so you'd consider it? Yeah. I mean, we have um, two teachers now uh, that are now campus pastors. And we have a banker of our, our West Side campus on, in Sioux Falls that was a, a banker and now a campus pastor. Uh, for us as well. So really finding people, I I actually search out people who have not had ministry experience as far as working at a church. I I honestly, when someone says, and I have all this myself, so I'm not discrediting. When someone, when someone says I have an MDiv master's of divinity and I've worked at churches for 10 years, which again, that is my resume. I have a master's Uh or whatever. I usually see it as a, a knock. A negative, them. eh? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Uh, did you go to seminary? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Thanks very so, much. So yeah. why is it a negative in your view? Because uh, so often we've gotten in a rut of what church is. Yep. And we've gotten a rut of what church can be. Because mm. even Embrace, uh, you guys have grown so fast. Really? I honestly think the early church... The leaders would come up and pat me on the back and say, that's so cute what you guys are doing. <laughs> like you grew that much? Well, just counting the fellas, we grew by 3,000 in one day. Right. You know? Right. And yep. so it's like, that's our idea of what church is. It's like, oh my goodness. We're, we, we're like, the church is the hope of the world. Mm. Again, for me, 
my heart breaks to tell people about Jesus. I just had a guy that I wasn't close friends with him, a pharmacist in town who took his life. And for me, my first reaction isn't, I wish someone would have reached him. I, I wish somehow he could have heard about Jesus. I, I don't know why, but I just don't think that way. Instead, my way, like how I think is, I wish I could have told him about Jesus. Mm. I wish I wish Embrace could have somehow told him about Jesus. Man, this guy's got a wife and three kids. Like, And, and yet I know how restless and broken and empty am, I am personally without the Lord. I mean, the moment I, I have like a, the, the, uh, the moment I'm not walking with Christ, it's I, I'm empty. I mean, yeah. immediately. And yeah, so, me too. And, and so, so I, I, I go back to like, we're growing so fast. It, it's like, yeah, for, for what we can control, it is, it's kind of crazy. It makes stressful situations, hmm. but man, there's people who need, need Jesus. And another thing I want to say with that church growth for church growth's sake is a miserable existence. If you're just chasing numbers, yeah. I can testify you will be so miserable. Or chasing success or yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah. It's so empty. Yeah. I mean, it is so empty. But if your heart breaks to tell one more person about Jesus and that's truly your desire, there's nothing greater. The joy in that is so awesome. And then you're like, okay, how are we going to reach people? So I often say to church, the church so often it like uh, if someone was drowned in in a lake, I feel like the church so often is like someone should go help that person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we would we will in a couple of months once we have a couple board meetings, and what once people get on board and we don't want to ruffle feathers, we're gonna go help that person. I'm like, if that's my daughter out in that lake, yeah, there's no. I, I I only pray that we do anything to reach her. So yeah. you're I'm in the water. You're in I'm the sorry. water. I'm That's sorry. your daughter. That's great. Now, the, the thing that I, I mean, there's so much I love about your story and what Christ is doing through you, Adam. But one of the most remarkable things is this is all happening in the context of a mainline denomination. And, you know, if, if, if you know, a lot of you have listened this far and you're like, oh, gosh, I thought this was another evangelical church plant that, you know, somebody had dropped down. And But you're United Methodist, right? Which is yeah. which is exceptional. Now, wasn't it, you just got, like, is it the fastest growing United Methodist Church in America? Something like that. Something like is, that, yeah. That's just weird to hear, but yes. Yeah, <laughs> which is incredible. So tell me about your context, because we, uh, you know, the thing I love about being able to do this is we actually have, like, a, a section of the church listening. We have Roman Catholics, yeah. we have Mainline, we have Baptist, Evangelicals, we have people who don't like to be in the same room together listening, which is awesome. And I think Christ, you know, as long as Jesus is at the center— Jesus is going to use it. And so, and I have a mainline background myself, not United Methodist, but Presbyterian. So tell me, I mean, I understand mainline to some extent. And tell me, tell me what that has been like. Um, it's been good, bad, and otherwise, just to be sure. completely candid. And just before I even start, I'm so, like you said, I'm first and foremost a father of Jesus. Yeah. And always really struggled with the denomination title, even because, I, again, I grew up Lutheran. Uh, extended family Catholic, came to Christ in a Methodist church, went to a Lutheran college, not an denominational seminary. So I've kind of been all over the place. Right. And our, our start was, our start, it was great and also hard being, uh, being Methodist. 
the, the great part of it was the support financially. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was amazing. We were set up to succeed in the area of finances, which takes off so much of the, the pressure. Yes, it does. So that, that, that's something I can't be thank, more thankful enough for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really can't thank my denomination for. The hard part was we were programmed in the denomination and especially our conference to fail. I mean, okay, how come? Tell me why. Just the undertone of every conversation, uh, it was almost this this blatant, when embrace fails. Wow. When embrace fails. Wow. Because that's all we'd seen. We always Every church this. plant fails, just fails, fails, and, fails. We tried that, we tried that, been there, tried, done that. We, we've done this, and so we're gonna we're gonna spend all this money, and it's gonna fail. So <laughs> trying to tr- trying to overcome that is hard. Uh, the the pastor who led me to Christ and also had the idea, really the the heartbeat um, for embrace. He told me, he said, Adam, just as a warning, and I thought he was joking at first. He said, just as a warning, you will be the most watched new pastor in the history of the Dakotas Conference. Really. Because I was 24, um, I was going to be appointed in Sioux Falls, which usually you only get to when you're 60. Yep. My my youngest colleague next to me was like 25 or so years older than me. That was the closest. <laughs> and so, um, so there was a lot of pressure that way. So that was the hard stuff. And also, um, we we were embraced church. We didn't say embrace United Methodist Church. Right. That that was a huge wrestling match. Did that bother get, people? Uh, big time. Yeah, we dropped big Presbyterian time. from our name, and that bothered a lot of people. And, but but well, how I was able to get it passed, and it was it was one of the hardest. It was a hill I was willing to die on. Because mm. I said, I'm just telling you, as someone who's Lutheran and Catholic, I don't want to – I feel like I am walking away from my family to go to a Methodist church. Right. But if there's, if there's no title on it, I can kind of convince myself that I'm not – I'm still Catholic and I'm coming. I'm still Lutheran and I'm coming. But having that title is just a barrier. So some of those core things were really hard. And uh, I mean, it was really, really difficult. Hmm. Um, On on now, though, we've had a change of leadership within the conference. Uh, My my current bishop is amazing. I'm I'm so thankful for him. Uh, Amazing. And uh, I mean, he has a heart to reach people for Jesus. Mm. And so he, he's like, we'll clear out all the bureaucracy and make this happen. But uh, within any mainline, this is what I'd encourage people because I want to be used by Jesus. And the only thing that like, I don't want to be held back. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be in a place that there's so much red tape. I can't move. Yep. So, so most of the time people who have that in them are not, they go away from mainline churches yes. to start, start a free church. And whatever. And, but I just want to tell that person the potential in main lines is incredible right now. Mm. It's a, it's a sad reality, but it's an exciting reality. All across the country, mainline churches are closing. Yep. All across the country, there's, there's rural churches, mainline churches that, that can't pay for a pastor. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things that means there's a whole bunch of fully paid for facilities yeah. all across the camp, the country that are just waiting to be used by a leader. Yes. And so if if you are a church that wants to think outside the box, the potential is all over the place Mm. Um, to, to do things where, Hey, um, you guys, instead of closing your doors, do you just want to use our message and raise up um, a lady person to do your pastoral care or your pastoral care? And we'll, we'll provide the message. So the potential that was spiritualized 
great is the harvest, but few are the workers. Yeah. Well, a good South Dakotan farmer will know you need a combine to, to harvest fields. And for me, spiritualized, it's like I, the combines are these fully paid for facilities. <laughs> all, all I need. All over the country. A, all over the country. All I need is a campus pastor to get behind the wheel of that combine and drive. Right. So that's the exciting potential. And you have a denomination that's open to that, which is powerful. And I think to be fair, I mean, it was a decade ago for me that I, I started Connexus as an independent church or a North Point strategic partner. But I think the desperation I sense and the openness in denominations is much greater today than it was even a decade ago. No question. You find that too? No question. Because I, I would say the shift in our conference was leadership. A lot of it was leadership. Mm. But finally, reality sat in. Yeah. Because like, I think even 10 years ago, they, uh, leadership was still, uh, we're not, we're going to be fine. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not going to close churches. You were the outlier. You're the weirdo. You're the, yes. you know, yes. it, it won't work anywhere else. I heard that a million times. Um, let me let me ask you, did you run into problems? Because I, I, I have a lot of United Methodist friends and mainline friends, and it's a denomination where the district superintendent really gets to decide where you serve. Um, and a lot of people are like, well, I can only be five years in a place or three years in a place, and then they, quote, move me. How is that being addressed in your experience so far? Like, um, you know, often if you become a large church, they're like, we won't touch you until you're ready to go. But like, is that automatic anymore? Or like, how, do, how does that work? I think there's been a shift and it really is. There's so much handled by district, district superintendents. So DSs yeah. and yeah. bishops. I think, I think conference leaderships and church leaderships are starting to see it takes time to grow. Oh yeah. You, you can't water a seed and then expect a harvest in spring. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just take, it does take time, which is hard for even myself. Cause I want to make things happen right now. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it takes time. And I, I, I think conference leaders and church leaders are starting to see that it does take time. Um, I, for, for, for me personally, the shift probably happened about five years ago yep. when we, when we started the uptick. Uh, I mean, co- I've basically been told, unless you do something really stupid, <laughs> you will not. You're do there for a long time. For for a long time, and yeah. so, um, but that's 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 really leadership, though. And then, what about like crossing state lines? Would you have crossed district lines? I mean, hey, for presbyteries, you know, if you're Presbyterian or diocese, if that's your tradition, if you're Anglican or Roman Catholic, that can be a big deal. Sometimes it's like, well, you can do whatever you want inside this diocese or inside this district or presbytery. How have you engaged that? That's that's been really delicate. Uh, especially, <laughs> well put, well put, Adam. Well put. Especially, especially ten years ago. I yeah. mean, ten years ago, it was so crazy. We're so territorial. I know we and are. What this is, is how it goes. I know. So, so a perfect example. and non-denominationals are going. What on earth are you talking about? But any denominational person knows what you're talking about. So basically, yeah. you have a zone. And your government, it's like a state border, right? Or, yeah. or think about your city police force. It's like if you can get away from the local town cop and you hit the county line, he can't chase you anymore and you're in a new <laughs> jurisdiction. Isn't that what it's like? It is. It yeah. is. But I think if you're uh, first a challenge for pastors who are leading growing larger church churches, you need to speak up and not be territorial. Yeah. Like if, if you're leading a church and you're territorial and it's growing and thriving, if you're territorial, let me know so I can 
find out who you are. Cause it's like, shame on you, yeah. you know, like get rid of it. Like get mm. rid of it early on. It is hard not to be territorial when you're trying to grow your church. I I understand that. Like, it's easy. Like they're going to take my people, whatever. Mm. But I, I was in a, a meeting like probably three years ago and they were kind of doing some planning with projecting new churches outside of embrace. And someone, one of the pastors said, we can't go South Sioux Falls uh, because Embrace is there and right. kept going on. And he, he, he said it as a compliment and very kind to me. Right. Like why even but, bother? Yeah. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, I got to say something really quick. We do not own South Sioux Falls. Good for you. I was like, if you think you can reach people in South Sioux Falls, you need to go and start a church in South Sioux Falls. And he said, and he was shocked. I'm like, Everybody in South Sioux Falls is not coming to embrace. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we need more churches. And so I, I just think that's so foolish. That such a, it's such a kingdom outlook. Um, l- let me ask you another question, too. Like in a denominational context, I know in some polities, local congregations get veto rights. In other words, literally, and I've seen this at work in our context in Canada, where a church of 60 people will block a church plant from locating within a, a 20 mile radius, 50 mile radius, because they're like, this is our territory. You can't, you can't move it. It's like, you've got 30 people on a Sunday. It's not like you're exactly reaching the hundred thousand people in your neighborhood. Like, come on, you don't own that. Yeah. Is that starting to die in denominations or is that still very much alive in smaller churches? It is. And I don't think we have, I don't think we have that process to kind of veto something. Oh gosh. Well, Some well, denominations do. I know. Well, Crazy. we do have, what we do have is the ability to complain and complain. And so, a D, <laughs> and so a DS, because he doesn't or she doesn't want a headache, will make that political move to save right, stuff. Right. And I'm like, and I, I'm just a person who I've, I've, I've just never been into politics. Right. That, that, right. That's just not me. And, and, um, and I'm also a fly underneath the radar type person. I do not like to cause ruckuses. Right. Like, if I see conflict, I'm like, I want to go the opposite direction of that. <laughs> My, my dad's the same way. I mean, I've okay. never seen my dad get in an argument with anybody in my entire life. Wow. And, but the, my only thing that I will ruffle feathers over, the only thing is telling people about Jesus. Mm. I mean, hey, we, you can't go there because you're going to ruffle feathers. I'm so sorry. Someone's son or daughter's drowning. We're going to do it. Yep. You, you can't do that. Yes, we are. You need Embrace mm. United Methodist Church. Actually, I think we'll do a better job of of saving that guy or that gal. We're not going to have it. Yeah, we'll just say embrace and, embraces here. Embrace, yeah, embrace church. And so, but that that's the only. So if you if you have an agenda and you just want to ruffle feathers, I actually just I'm reading through Proverbs right now. Mm-hmm. I'd encourage you to read Proverbs because blessed is the peacemaker is all over Proverbs. If you call use if you cause division, wow, watch out. Yeah, but. But I'd also on the other side, if you're playing it safe because you don't want to ruffle feathers and it's for the sake of Jesus, I'd, I'd pray for courage for you mm. and wording and timing. One of my favorite professors, he always said, as pastors, do not become tamed house cats. Mm. Tamed house cats love to be pet and you know they just want to like hang out and be cared for and loved on. But don't, don't, don't become tame. Like, oh man, it's, the cause is so great. It is. And and I I would say too, and it's, it's, it's very encouraging to have this part of the conversation. I've seen an openness 
among mainline denominational people and an an ecumenism in the best sense, like a, a yeah. global church mentality that I don't think was there a decade ago. And I'm seeing it in seminaries too, honestly. Seminaries yeah. are starting to wake up and go, okay, we got to, it's different. And and I think that's great. For we sure. need each other. We absolutely need each other in the church. And I think it's an all skate. And I love how, I love, uh, my favorite part of this part of the conversation is, I love, Adam, how you're like, hey, we don't own south sioux falls like we need other churches i think one of the best thing where we have our one of our locations you know there were sort of two large churches in town and then a third church came in and did a campus and i'm like this is one of the best things to happen to the city uh like it's so good and sure we might lose a half dozen people or 20 families or something like that who cares it's a kingdom man and now we got more people to make a difference in that city well, Adam, you also, uh, in addition to everything, are writing these days, and you've got a new book that's just come out. So you want to tell us? It's a book on prayer. Uh, I don't think that's ever been written on, uh, I think, in the, in the history of Christianity. No, I'm kidding. So you've, you've obviously got a take on it. Tell us what made you decide to write a book on prayer. Yeah, so it is a book on prayer, which is, I, I think everybody's written a book on prayer. Hey, I do, I'm doing a leadership podcast. I don't think leadership gets talked about very much in yeah, the church exactly, either, right? Exactly. So come on. Yeah, of course there's room <laughs> for a fresh voice on prayer. Absolutely. For, for, for me, prayer is, is something that's been so formative to my life. Hmm. The very first time um, I heard about prayer, uh, really in kind of explaining what prayer is, was my very first time to youth group. There was a group of girls who got me to go with them to youth group, and I went with them. See, how does that happen, Adam? They were, they were nice uh, yeah, looking. Yeah, 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 okay. But, but the pastor, <laughs> the youth pastor that night said, um, he started explaining prayer, and he said, when talking with God, there are different ways to pray. And at first, I was like, whoa, wait, I thought we were going to talk about prayer and talking with God. And I, prayer is just reciting the same things mindlessly. I had never heard just even that subtle difference. Mm. And so I, I was like, whoa, I, I've never – and so early on, it's been something that's been formative. But again, even for myself, I'm, I'm a pastor, lead a church, 35 years old. I, I'm so thankful that wherever I am, no matter what I've gone through, that God will hear my voice if I speak. Mm. Like He hears our prayers. He hears our, hears our words. And so whether we're broken, is there anything greater than being able to say, God, I'm just broken. I need you to heal me. When we're restless, God, I'm so restless. I don't know why. I'm a pastor. I shouldn't feel this way. I'm so restless. Would you give me your peace, which I've heard surpasses all understanding? Mm. God, I'm going into this meeting. I'm making this decision. I'm, I'm trying to be a dad. I feel like I'm failing. Like, would you just give me wisdom that I don't have? Like, I'm just so grateful. That, that we can talk with the Lord. It just blows mm. me away. And so so that's part of it. The next thing I feel, though, is I can't imagine having these feelings and not knowing that I can, I can speak with the Lord. I can't imagine being restless and exhausted and broken and hurting and not knowing that I can, I can talk with God about it. Yeah. And so that's what it really came out of. And also, also, again, so it's like, what does it look like we tend to separate prayer from the place we need it the most, our lives. Mm. So we, we separate it to Sundays. And even right. even, even faithful churchgoers will, will, will separate it to like 10 minutes when we wake up or 10 minutes before we go to sleep. It's like, no, what does it look like to talk with God in the midst of all of it? Right. Like 
between diapers and mowing the lawn and <laughs> shovel, shoveling snow and trying to be all this. But what does it look like to talk with God in the midst of that? So that's that's really the heart uh, behind the book. If it could help one person talk with God for the first time, or maybe someone who's been following Jesus for a long time but has gotten into a rut, um, just kind of have a fresh take on prayer, uh, for me that would be success. Uh, easy book to give to somebody in your church, like it's written for the average person? Uh, it is re- written for the average person and then some. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, when I when I had a look at it, I mean, I haven't got a copy in my hands. We're we're doing this pre-release, but uh, yeah. what I saw of it, 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 it was kind of encouraging to me because I've got some great books on prayer in my library behind me, um, but they're often thick and they're often complicated, and uh, anything that will get people praying. I think is a, is a great thing, Adam, and your heart for people and your heart for the lost is incredible. Uh, I've got to ask you this one more question before yeah. we uh, call it a day. But, um, you know, you're a young dad, you're 35, you're leading a growing church in multiple states with six locations, um, and, and God's using your life in really powerful ways. But how did you find the time to write a book in the midst of all of that? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Because <laughs> that's a big deal, man. As a writer, uh, I, I understand that. Yeah, it, I'll never look at a bookstore the same. Now I walk in and I'm like, all oh, the pain and suffering all these oh, authors yeah. went through, you know? <laughs> yeah, but big time. I, but I've always, um, I, I've always tried to be as efficient with my time as I can. Mm-hmm. So even in seminary, uh, we had no kids. I was just married um, to, to Beck. And um, I start, there was only one other person who started and finished with me. And his wife was a med student. So she was gone all the time too. Okay. So so instead of kind of sleeping off, and this is pat me on the back. This is the only thing I, like I have nothing to break about at all. So that's huge disclosure there. But instead of kind of sleeping in till 10 o'clock, going to my class, coming home, kind of hanging out and then studying all night, I was like, no, my wife, she's going to work at eight o'clock. I'm going to get up at eight o'clock too. Mm. And, I'm, and my work is going to be my master's degree. Because wow. because I want to see my wife. I want to have balance mm. to my life. And so that's kind of the, the it just kind of hit me. I was not that way in college, which is almost a miracle that I, I think I was forced <laughs> to do that in seminary. Yeah. And I was and I also just really wanted to spend time with my wife. That was probably the most. The, yep. It's a good motivator. Incentive. That was the incentive. So I would just get up and I would try to use every ounce of my time. Um, I had to go through a hard season of burnout um, where I took on too much mm. and didn't delegate enough. And so I had to go through that season to realize uh, I'm not invincible. I'm not Jesus. So there's, so it's learning to say no. It's learning to delegate. It's learning to hand off. It's learning to trust your staff. And and really, um, God, what have you called me to do for this season? Whether it's the next three months or the next year. So are you an early morning writer then? Like were you the 5 a.m. writer or the weekends or the evening or you just got done at work earlier and spent some time every afternoon writing or how did you plot it out? Yeah, so I think that's a good question. A lot, I'm not an early riser. I wish I was. <laughs> early, early riser, I should say. I wake up at seven. That's when uh, we have to get ready. To, we have to drop the kids off. So we need to get them and I drop the kids off in the morning. That's kind of my, the part of our routine. But a lot of it was at night. So mm. uh, Again, either I go on a walk at night or I would just I would sit at our kitchen table and just work on our kitchen table. So I would work I, I would wait till Becky and the kids all want to sleep and then yep. I get up, I put in an hour. So do 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 um weeks I didn't preach. Um the, the church here's been so supportive of saying, Hey, we believe in this. You 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 can use this time as well. Use your work time right. to work on this. So I was able to do a lot of that as well. 
but just being, it was hard. It is. It is. It is hard. The idea of writing is really interesting and having written is really interesting, but writing is hard. Writing is hard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. It was a cool process of discovery about prayer for me, which was so neat. Just to be able to focus on something was really a gift. What's the book called? The book's called Talking with God. What to say when you don't know how to pray. Love it. Love it. Adam, this has been great. People are going to want to find you online. Tell them where they can do it. Yeah, you can uh, obviously social media, whatever. Yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, probably the simplest way is just adamweber.com. Weber with one B. One and, B, uh, like the barbecue. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. I'm, I'm, mo- I'm most responsive on probably Twitter and okay. Instagram. If, if you want to get a response from me, that'd be the best place to hit me up. Adam, thank you so much. It's been so refreshing and so good. Really appreciate all that, that Christ is doing through you. And uh, thanks for sharing it with leaders today. Oh, Carrie, I just, I just got to quickly say, Carrie, you, for you, me personally, on my walks, I often listen to podcasts, and you're one of the people that I follow the most of just tuning in and listening. And whether you pastor a church of 100 or a church of 3,000, it's awesome to constantly be poured into by you. Oh. And so just honestly, on behalf of the listeners, thank you for pouring into me, um, and thank you for pouring into so many of us. It's been a, a, just an absolute joy. I'm humbled, and I, I got to tell you, it is a it is a thrill. I can't believe I get to do this. So, Adam, thank you very, very much. Thank you as well. Well, you're going to want to go and check out his book, Talking with God. I have a feeling a lot of pastors are going to be using this because it's finally prayer in simple language, which is great. Plus, Adam has an incredible story. So if you're not following him on social, make sure you do that. And you can do that by just going to the show notes. And you can go to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 135. You'll find it there. Or if you're listening to this much later, just use a little search window at leadlikeneverbefore.com. Uh, type in Adam Weber, W-E-B-E-R, and you'll find it. And there are all the links that we talked about in the show notes. So uh, super cool. Thanks, Adam, for doing that. Remember, too, we had that little glitch a couple weeks ago with subscriptions. So check to see if you're subscribed. If you are a non-subscriber, subscribe. It's free. You got nothing to lose and you're going to get a ton of great, I hope, leadership advice. We've got like 135 episodes in the vault and many, many more to come. Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and iTunes, of course. So next week, we are back with a brand new episode. We do that every Tuesday. And uh, next week, we start the first of a two-part series on online church and social media and the whole deal. Uh, Steve Fogg is going to be my guest next week. And uh, he is actually a, a Brit who worked in Australia back in Britain now and a genius when it comes to growing your reach online. Here's an excerpt from my conversation next week with Steve Fogg. And there was one young man in Turkey who we started off a conversation like that. And so this is just all through private messages. I just dialogued with him, encouraged him to download the Bible app from our friends at Life Church. He downloaded that. I suggested a verse. We went through that verse. We dialogued backwards and forwards and he committed his life to Christ. Wow. Yeah, it was. Wow. It was a wow moment. And 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 this was all through Google Translate. This was all through um, you know message Facebook Messenger, through our church page, and that's just one of many many stories where it's technology has been a great tool for us. It's not perfect. 
So Steve's next week, and then Justin Dean is coming back. He's been a guest previously, and we're going to talk about future church in the online world. So that's a mini-series starting. We got Bob and Maria Goff coming up, Jim Weidman. I just finished a great interview with Jonathan and Verna Del Turco, two people who have worked together in ministry for 40 years and just have the most beautiful heart and story. You're going to love that. We got David Platt, Barnabas Piper, so many others coming up. And uh, yeah, if you subscribe, you get it all. And remember to check out the bonuses that we have for listeners with Trained Up. Use the promotion code CARRY at trainedup.org. And if you go to belaysolutions.com and you either book a consultation or hire an executive assistant, jump on my conference call. It'll be live in person. We'll get to talk about uh, how to leverage your team better. Super excited about that. We're back next Tuesday. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.